Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 108. On today's episode, I speak with an old coworker of mine, Chris Howe, who is a an entrepreneur. He's also a comedian, and he has been on quite a journey, and I'm really excited to share that journey with you all today. I think you're going to learn a little something. First, we talk about that transition from having one kid to two and the bond that you build with your firstborn during that time. Uh, one, one good positive thing about this is you will spend a lot of good quality time with your daughter because you know she may not have that access to mom that she was used to having. If your if your wife's got to be there for the the young one, so you get to, you get that time now to really build something good. That that was one benefit that I even recognized. But now I can look back and say, oh, that was great. Next, we talk about his journey from being in the corporate world to the life of an entrepreneur and his battle with alcoholism. It's uh, really helped helped me understand like how I need to shift and and shape and and um, guide my 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 two young sons and kind of what yeah. my role in their life should be versus what I thought it was prior to everything that I've uh, gone through. And finally, we talk about how Chris was able to overcome his challenges and set his life on a new direction. When you look in the mirror, do you, do you say, I love myself? And are you happy with the direction of your life? If you have yes to both those questions, then you know keep on rocking. If you say no, then I would always say, what are you, what are you doing about it? Here's my conversation with Chris Howe. Chris Howe, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you? Hey, Alex. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks it's good to me. see you. Yeah, I'm happy for you to be here, man. Thanks for uh, yeah. thanks for joining. Um, Chris and I go way back uh, to to working together at a at a company, an IT company, and uh, he's now off doing his own thing. But he has a really really powerful story. And I'm really happy to share that here today. So, uh, Chris, why don't you take just a quick moment and introduce yourself to the folks at home? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, uh, everyone. I'm uh, Chris Howe. I am. Uh, a husband. I'm a father of two. I've got a five, uh, soon to be five year old, soon to be one year old. I'm a uh, U.S. military veteran. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm an aspiring comedian. That is a lot of stuff um, <laughs> that you just rattled off. That, uh, that that makes you a really complex person. That's something that I've always enjoyed, kind of talking to you about. Like you've always got something new going on and something really interesting. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested in diving into a few things before we do that though. Um, let's talk about your kids. So you, uh, when you were, uh, you and I were working together, your son, your second son was just born. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the, the ways that that impacted your work life. Uh, but, but what's it been like having two boys at home now? Uh, it's definitely, uh, not a scenario where one plus one equals two. It is one plus one equals five. I don't know what that, um, accelerator is when you, when you have two, but when, uh, uh, two is a different feeling. I, I now know why people with multiple children looked at me when I had one kid as a, you know, like I did people with no kids. Uh, it's just a different ball game when you have two, just from a, a lot of different logistical and, uh, you know, those types of needs. But, uh, I would say that the main difference was making sure that my relationship with my son, my wife's relationship with our, with our oldest, uh, you know, remained healthy and growing. And so recognizing, uh, you know, where he was asking for, you know, attention or do I matter, even though, you know, it wasn't, it would, might, might not be that clear. That's what he was doing. So, uh, you know, we started recognizing some different types of behavior where he was continually, um, saying, hey, mommy, hey, mommy, hey, mommy, hey, mommy. And you know, first we thought it was just kind of like a social norm thing. We had to work with him. And then we kind of thought, oh, he's trying to now establish what's our new norm. We got this new baby here. And 
I got, uh, I, I need to know when I got you. So we just started working to incorporate very, uh, you know, consistent um, um, routines there each and every day and night. Yeah. And that's got to be really challenging. I mean, did he end up kind of taking to his little brother? Was there any sort of animosity that built up? No. And that's, I guess that was for me, the, the story I always heard. And so I thought that was success. I mean, he yeah. went in there and loved on his brother and said, Oh, this is awesome. And, uh, you know, I've got a, uh, a half sister who, when she saw my other half sister, she said, baby, go, baby, go home. Uh, so I thought it was success. And then, uh, fast forward, like three months later, he just starts having some different type of behavior. Well, we didn't know if this was like, where is he maturing with his communication and we need to help guide that? Or is he just asking, Hey, you know, I, I, I want you. And, uh, you know, talking over with my, uh, you know, with my friends, more experienced parents, they said this, he's definitely, you know, seeking what, what is the new normal for us? So yeah. that was, that was unique. Yeah. That, that's, um, that's something I'm really anticipating a lot with Aria, for instance, because she had, so Aria requires a lot of our time. She just like, like kids do. Right. But I think that more it's like, she is constantly looking to engage with us on stuff, which is great. Like she wants to play with us and she wants us to be involved in the things she's doing. I'm very interested to see how it goes, uh, when the next child comes around later this year. Uh, do you have any suggestions for me? as a new father of two on how to kind of make that balance? I, I always just provide as much support as I can for my wife. Um, she nurses. So that's like the, the foremost thing that's needed. So, uh, I had to then understand what my, my uh, four year old's routine was and how it went and have to feed him and get him to school. And then, you know, we had got stuff around the house that needs taken care of. So, I don't know how y'all divide and, and everything, or if she nurses or whatnot, but because uh, my wife does, I just try to provide all the coverage I can so she doesn't have to worry about that stuff. And then you kind of, you just kind of see where you need to, to fit in. And uh, one, one good positive thing about this is you will spend a lot of good quality time with your daughter because, you know, she may not have that access to mom that she was used to having if your, if your wife's got to be there for the, the young one. So you get, to, you get that time now to really build something good. And that, that was one benefit that i even recognize but now i can look back and say oh that was great that yeah, was man. Time. yeah I've, seen, I've actually seen that trend with a lot of dads getting really close with that first child because there is sort of that sense of you know mom with the new baby they really have to be together whether it be you know nursing or that attachment just from the womb and and they like being with mom um It'll be really interesting to see how that goes. And I was actually curious to kind of pivot a little bit talking about your military career. Um, how long were you in the military? So I did, overall, I did seven years. I did four in the active army. And then when I got out, uh, the Indiana Guard just had a great deal where if you served in the Guard, they'd pay 100% of your tuition. So I got to have my GI Bill and kind of spend that how I, I felt needed. And then my tuition was covered through the I ended up doing the Air National Guard through the Air Force. Oh, right on, man. Well, thank you for your thank you for your service. Um, what was it like? Uh, I mean, were you a parent at that time or no? No, I was eighteen. No. I was eighteen, and uh, for me, you know, I uh, obviously a lot of how I my parenting and philosophy and everything developed uh, through through how I grew up, and you know what I saw felt was good and. 
what I, I felt didn't work. You know, I, I want to do something like that. And I probably have some friends that do something. I say, okay, I want to, I want to do that. But, um, uh, through a lot of, uh, things I've been going through in life, I've been understand, trying to understand who, who I am as a person and how I got here. And I can see one big element of that is, uh, the military. And so I think that shaped me, um, at least from like, uh, a goals and kind of an ego standpoint of the type of guy I wanted to, to create, um, you know, my life around, or at least now that I kind of look back, that was where I see that that kind of gave me the image of the, the type of person I wanted to present. Um, there's you know, through a, life. yeah, there, there's a tremendous amount of, uh, soul searching that tends to, ha- I, I've never been in the military, but my father-in-law spent 30 years in the Marine Corps, um, retired Colonel, uh, I have family that has been in various branches of the uh, of you know the the armed forces, and and there's definitely a sense of like soul searching that happens and self discovery. What are some of the key pieces that you brought with you from your time in the military uh, that you bring into your everyday life now? Yeah, I uh, one thing that I saw is that. Life was only as uh, limited as you allowed it to, to constr- uh, as a, a, you allowed it to, to limit you. And I, there were some times in the military where I really had some uh, some goals, and for whatever reason, I, I I didn't obtain them the first time. So I would find some loopholes or build some relationships or just keep nagging, and then I would be able to get to go to this school or retake this test uh, or get to rejoin this group or whatever. Uh, so I found through the military that, uh, you know, if there was something in, in life that, that held you back, if you wanted something bad enough that you could apply yourself and, and, and really work towards that. And that, that then helped me in business, especially in software, yeah, especially as you're growing as quick as uh, companies that we were part of. You grow so quickly, you just have problems coming up from everywhere, and you just have to be able to, to jump in and understand what's going on and what's the action plan and who are the owners and then, is it effective and, and monitored along the way? Yeah, man. And that is so true. Uh, what was it like going from that military life into civilian workplace? Was that frustrating for you? No, I actually went to college and it was nice because cool. it made like, I kind of knew the college hack already. I had yeah. enough uh, officers and stuff out of the military that said, Hey, just go in there, sit front row, go to all the classes, go to uh, one or two of the, the office hours and ask a question every class and you'll be fine and that's what i did and even if it just uh when i was hearing that i thought it was all aesthetics but just by the fact that you set that bar that you know hey they just told me these simple rules don't miss class so i was in class all the time and then because i was sitting up front i had to pay attention uh and then because i would go to office hours i would have some type of relationship now with a professor so I, and, and if I sitting up front, I didn't want to not see me there. So it, it created all these behaviors that, uh, you know, I can look back on and think, okay, those guys really set me up for, for success. So, yeah, um, yeah, that going into college, it made it easy. And I mean, trust me, I made, I made college hard enough, uh, as I could for myself. Uh, you know, I, I finished my bachelor's and, and three years and master's in one. And, uh, it was still, uh, you know, some type of leader on all these various social groups had, uh, multiple girlfriends and, uh, a drinking problem. And, uh, I, and I was in the guard too. So I was doing all that. I, uh, I fit a lot in there. So while I hacked college, I didn't, I didn't kind of sit back and coast and let, go easy. I've kind of created a lot of chaos that 
I guess it was fun during that time. Yeah, and that's actually a really good kind of segue because I, I want to talk about a blog post that you, you had texted me, and this is kind of where the conversation – I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while anyway, but I think that this is a really good kind of talking point. Um, you, you recently put up a blog post that kind of outlined a bit of your uh, – path to self-discovery over the past several years. And this is really stemming from coming out of, uh, out of the military, through college, through your corporate career. Um, why don't you give the audience at home a, a bit of a digest on what your story is in that regard? And then I'd like to jump into a few kind of subtopics around that. Do you mind doing that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, I'll kind of give the, the elevator uh, pitch version of this. When I got out of the army, I uh, I knew that I wanted to go to college, and so that was a very um, kind of linear next step. Go go to college for the next three years. Then when I was in there, they said, "Hey, you should go to grad school." So so I went to grad school, and then I got a job in business. And then within business, they they showed you a path of like managers and directors and vice presidents. So I was thinking, okay, I can I can follow all these steps and. That'll be like I'll be successful in respect of these titles and make more money and you know get get more complex business type of uh, matters and leadership roles and and I did and it was great it, it was it was a lot of fun the various software companies that I that I worked for it was it, it was a wonderful experience uh, but it got to a time though where I wasn't I wasn't challenged like I was during a time where I would wake up so motivated to go to work and just put all my energy and seeing something, you know, in my head or in my collective team's head come into reality. Or when you get this customer and they're so ticked off and over a month's time that they, they now love your organization because you got the right people in front of them and made it. I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling that and I wasn't getting fed professionally. And, um, you know, it's a lot of that's my fault too. Because I was, uh, I was just getting frustrated that didn't have the type of decision making power and stuff I did, and uh, you know, I just kind of let it get to me, to me too much personally. And that was the first thing I realized when I when I left uh, corporate America. I did get to that that nice title of vice president. Did get those, uh, you know, the stock stuff and the the quarterly bonuses. And you know, I'm a my comedy bit. I have a bit about me growing up West Texas white trash. So. I grew up. I grew up kind of poor, and uh, it was just fun that I got to go and kind of ride this wave through uh, tech and, and hit um, you know a lot of success. But then when it got to kind of maintenance mode, and I saw the skills and what I would have to do to navigate upward from where I was at, uh, it didn't interest me. And I was just kind of looking at where I was at in life anyway. Is life about pleasure, or is it about continual challenge? And so uh, I, uh, I, I think I wrote, wrote about my blog that I just started and started jujitsu, and that was something that was very, very challenging. But I was had a lot of hunger for it, so I knew there was something there about maybe I need to put myself in more complex situations because uh, I get some type of thrill or value or, or fed in that way. So I uh, finally made the decision, you know, when I couldn't when I couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore and see who I was or who I wanted to be, I, uh, I decided I wanted to, to quit my job. I uh, didn't have anything waiting for me. Um, we had, obviously we had some money, but it wasn't anything where I can just, you know, coast and, and not have to create future streams. So it was just, I knew I had enough and, you know, my life was going in a direction that I didn't, 
I didn't uh, foresee and I had to do something about it. And um, I wasn't going to change my family and I wasn't going to do anything drastic with, um, you know, moving my, moving everybody out of the house or anything like that. So I thought I needed to just step away from the job. And um, it was good because when I was there, I wanted to blame the job. But when I got out, I realized it was uh, more about how I was responding to everything that was pretty unhealthy. And so uh, now that I had this new free time, my wife and I started going to uh, couples uh, relationship counseling, and we couldn't uh, we couldn't uh, progress some of the sessions because uh, some of the, the issues we had were during an episode where I'd be blacked out drunk, <laughs> and the guy's like, "Well, I can't I can't help you if you're blacked out drunk," and I'm like, "Well, I I don't know what, why this happened or why I said this or why it didn't happen," so. Uh, he had, he had said, hey, I think we need to have you go see an alcohol therapist. And I said, yeah, I think we're at that point, too. And then I had one more blackout and, and, and came home at 7 in the morning uh, with one of my friends. And uh, well, my wife was furious. And I just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's just I don't have it in me. And uh, that was uh, a little over six months ago now. So excited to uh, to to you know, at least be this far down the, the road of recovery. And it's a, you know, it's a forever thing, but a lot of the tools it's, uh, you know, taught me uh, to manage emotions and, uh, and, to, you know, understand myself and why I can go down these, these areas of uh, compulsiveness and everything. It's uh, really helped, helped me understand like how I need to shift and, and shape and, and um, guide my, my, my two young sons and kind of what yeah. my role in their life should be versus what I thought it was prior to everything that I've uh, gone through. And that, and I realize the irony, too, I'm talking about uh, being alcohol-free. I've got my Coors Light cooler. That was a drunken purchase <laughs> at a uh, pre-auction one time that I spent like $750 for because I thought it was bigger than me. And it's like one of these like mini coolers you get for like 150 bucks. So I noticed it behind a, you. A, yeah. It's a good reminder of my stupidity when yeah, I used to drink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and when we think about the, the alcohol issue, I mean, for your, for your boys, was that something that you wanted to, uh, was it something that they were noticing or were you just noticing it yourself and you wanted to keep it from, uh, from them seeing anything harmful, uh, as they grew older? What, what was kind of a turning point for that? Yeah, I can, uh, I can, uh, summarize that for you real quick and tell you uh, what just happened when I took my son to the, the barber the other day. Uh, he was telling the, the barber that, uh, that uh, I have a gluten allergy. So he's like, oh, my daddy can't eat this food, this food, this. And, and he doesn't drink whiskey either. And the lady's like, oh, yeah? He's like, yeah, whiskey makes, makes you tired and mean. And uh, my daddy doesn't drink it anymore, and he just got a coin. <laughs> so... Yeah, the little four-year-old was making memories, and I, I could tell, um, you know, I, I, I could tell that, uh, you know, he'd see if I was passed out and, and wanted to play or something like that, or uh, if my wife and I got in an argument, you know, he could, he could start telling, and that's that's when I started seeing, you know, what I saw, I what I saw my future as a dad was was not that. And so that's when I was like, all right, there's lots of things. And so when I got out of the, out of corp, the corporate life and the drinking was still there and it was still, still this, you know, un, this unraveling of un, unhappiness, uh, you know, that's when I was like, okay, this has to go as well. Yeah. The, the, the alcohol thing, 
can really be a crutch sometimes. And I, and I notice I go through bouts of this too, where it's like stress kicks in, I'll pop open a beer and, uh, that's not a healthy response. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I have a problem, but you know, maybe I do. If, if those are some of the things like, how do you, how do you kind of come to terms with and identify if that's an issue for you and kind of wrangle that in? Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I, first and foremost, I'm always, you know, you, you're kind of the judge and jury for yourself. And, uh, when I, when I read and, and kind of understand, uh, what, what I know about alcoholism now is, is, uh, you're an alcoholic when you start, uh, living your life against your value system because of that um, addiction, well, in this case, alcohol. So if uh, you go and you're at a, a zero baseline of, you know, your, your normal, your normal Alex, and you go and you drink and you have a good time and you, you wow up to about a three out of five and you, um, you say something or you text somebody you shouldn't or, you spend too much money that, that you shouldn't, or you say something to one of your friends that you shouldn't have. And so when you wake up in the morning, you're not back at a zero. You're not normal because now you're at a negative one because you're beating up yourself a little bit with negative self-talk because you told your buddy to go F himself or you spent too much money or you text someone you shouldn't have, whatever the case may be. Um, alcohol is just when you start living a life against your value system. And, and that when you do that, you just go into this level of self-hate that just, uh, gives that that addiction, that soothing element, just mm-hmm. more uh, more power, more control, which puts you in that cycle until you're at like a negative five, trying to drink just to feel like a zero again. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Um, I don't, I don't, I can't say that I'm there. Uh, I'm just doing a lot of self reflecting right now, uh, but it's that's a lot of power, man. And I think that what you're talking about is sort of a self realization. This uh, motivation kind of comes into play of how you want to, you know, really take control of your life, right? How do you get over that hump? Is, is it truly just self-realization and, and taking action? Is there more to it than that? I mean, I, I, all I can say is what, what, what I went through and, um, there, so, so one of the items that I, I was, I was, um, uh, you know, kind of receiving assistance from for therapy was, uh, I have a inferiority complex. Um, so a lot of times I have kind of this limited view of myself and I saw that come out a lot in, in corporate life. I remember actually not wanting a manager title thinking, no, 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 because then I'll never, I won't ever get hired again. Like you shouldn't, y'all are promoting me on manager. I'm fooling y'all. So don't, don't make it so I can get hired. Like I was really thinking that in my head. Um, but I had some, some kind of key people from a business perspective that, uh, that I, that I respected and they, they kind of told me like, Hey, you're, you're going to always be okay. You're always going to figure things out. You're always going to be successful in whatever kind of goal you set yourself for. So that had always been something in my head. And I just, I guess for so long that that success had transformed into, I just have to be secure and save everything that I have, even though I really had no control over any of that. But I felt like I just had to stay here and maintain and, and be a good leader for, for my people because we were going through, um, uh, you know, a, a merge or whatnot. Um, and it was just me, me not wanting to go into an uncomfortable zone. And so, when I, when I saw what I, what the, how much fun I was having with uh, jujitsu and had experienced those same things with CrossFit, 
And I saw that, you know, if I, I could generate enough cash real quick to, uh, you know, at least have some stockpile to go for about six months and then just figure things out, even if it was just to clear my head. And so, uh, once I did that, it, it really became addicting just to go into, you know, the therapy sessions and reading the books. And then, you know, I go to AA and uh, my wife goes with me too. Uh, so all the, that stuff was great. And, uh, yeah, and, and like I said, it's really helped me too as a, as a, as a parent because, um, I think when I kind of look at how I was raised and I know, I know I was totally raised out of love, but I think a lot of the skills and focuses were on, um, equipping the ego, uh, versus equipping the kids to understand how to manage their emotions, regardless of what their, their emotions or their body is telling them that they should do in a certain situation. If, if that action is not going to give them the outcomes that they want. Yeah. God, there's so much goodness there. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really very, very happy to hear kind of where you're at, uh, talking about a lot of that. I, I didn't know that that's where you were at. I mean, a lot of this that you're talking about, this is when we were working together. Right. And yeah. I, I think that that's a testament to your tenacity and, um, that's, very admirable. So, so thank you for sharing that. You know, I wanted to touch on something, uh, you're talking about your wife and, and your interactions together during this whole thing. Uh, how has your journey to kind of self-discovery taking those six months, that's a long time, by the way, to really just focus on yourself. Uh, when you did that, how has that affected your relationship with your wife? Uh, I mean, I, I feel we're as happy as, as we've ever been. Uh, I mean, really what we've developed is it's just a great way to communicate. And we stopped, we stopped making everything about whatever was going on at the surface level. You know, you, you didn't put the dishes away or you didn't say this to me or something like that. You know, it's more or less pulling it back and saying, okay, what, what, what's going on right now? Do, do you feel like you matter? Uh, do you, are you scared? Do you feel insecure? And so taking it back to the emotional level and saying, uh, you know, this is how I feel right now versus you did this to me. Cause we, we find 100% of the time we, we can start a fight when we start it with you. If it, if it starts with I, then we can, you know, we can understand like what the other person is going through. And we love the other person. So we want to help them. Uh, but really it, it, it taught us how to communicate and I see, um, and again, it's not a, it's not a light switch when I say they teach you how to communicate, they teach you the art of communicating, uh, based on the dynamics between the two of you. And then you have to practice and you ha and you'll stumble. And when you stumble, you have to recognize the progress and, and still love yourselves for, for making that progress, even though you might have like an ugly episode or whatever. And so now we really got it to that, um, that maturity level where I can see there's scenarios that might trigger something within her. And so I'll give her a heads up saying, Hey, I'm going to be downstairs in the basement for like eight hours a day. I got some type of, you know, proposal or something I'm responding to. And then I just make sure that I've set an alarm or something to go up there and say hi to the family. So that she doesn't think I'm, you know, down, down the basement doing God know what, you know, so whatever she's telling herself. Mm -hmm. so. How has, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, first of all, that's, that's really, really great. I mean, and I think for a lot of people, including myself, I know that ego kind of comes into play when you're having arguments with your, with your significant other. Um, uh, how do you kind of find ways to tamper that, uh, when it, when it comes to disagreements or arguments 
any any suggestions? Yeah. So a lot of the the, the skills that uh, I learned in therapy were, were to recognize at your uh, body level when you might show signs that things are progressing in an emotional state that you don't have a good way to manage. So um, like mine would be anger. And so it might be to where I'm just kind of agitated and then I'm kind of annoyed. And then I'm at a, another level where now I'm being passive aggressive. And so um, as you're kind of going up that chart of, um, uh, of signs, then uh, you start having different body um, triggers. And like, so as I get, um, you know, more elevated, I get it really in my traps back through here in my neck. And I start kind of tensing up because you're getting ready to get in fight or flight and your body's getting amped up. And, uh, if I see myself in that, then I just give everyone, uh, that's in the house. We have uh, a couple other people that are in our house uh, daily to say, hey, I'm kind of uh, freaked out right now. I've got this thing that I got to turn around or I don't know. I'm just, I had too much coffee. I'm, I'm wired today. So if I don't say something to you, it's not because I don't like you. Um, especially through the quarantine, we had to develop these kind of systems, uh, yeah. uh, you know, to, to manage through that. So you really have to understand yourself and, and understand, um, you know, what level of control you have over your emotions in, in a given situation. Does it, does it appear the outcome's going to result where you want to, uh, or, or, is it a temporary outcome that, that your emotions are now kind of telling you, Hey, get this win or show them this or tell them you don't care. And that was, that was one thing with the anger management. You typically keep all that stuff from work. Um, cause just because the, the high level of, uh, value we place on, uh, on, on work in, in American society, that's like one of the last things where you'll have like some type of issue impact it. Um, but when, the, but when I went back and I could see all of the different kind of like, sub-layer um, activities and behaviors uh, of someone dealing with uh, anger issues, they were just littered all through all through the, my work. And uh, I could tell, especially when um, the role that I had, when there's any type of um, pressure put on that, all those little fault cracks were, were, were popping open. And, you know, just I wasn't getting any value from, you know, from a professional standpoint, and I wasn't giving any value either. So uh, I felt it was just, the best thing to just hit the hit the parachute and whatever got me to where I got in life, uh, I'm sure those 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 skills would will kick in eventually. That's why I was betting on at least, and um, and that's kind of got me to where I've got today, and and uh, been uh, been quite the wide. Uh, yeah. That was just the start of it, right? Now now I've got to get the cash flow going and feeding the family and the whole entrepreneur stuff. Uh, yeah. That's been like my new addiction. Uh, I've got that other trash out of my life. Yeah, well, well, I, I want to talk a little bit about that because we kind of we we spoke very quickly about your jump from corporate America and what has so you're you're now in a position where you, you six several well several months later here you are now um, kind of in in full entrepreneur mode. You you just mentioned that there's this high value placed on work um, over life balance here in America. How has your concept of that work-life balance shifted now that you've had this time to contemplate that? Yeah, one one thing, a skill that I felt uh, I had that that I uh, that I developed and, and got to really craft in corporate America was to build more or less standalone systems uh, of, of teams of people of uh, you know systems and tools they they need to use, to run to use the processes. My job was always to make myself 
um, not needed. And that way uh, that would free me up for whatever next opportunity would be there. And, you know, that was how I got a lot of uh, wind underneath my cell and, and that. So uh, knowing that I could build these standalone passive systems, I thought, hey, um, you know, if I'm going to build a business, I, uh, I want to do something where I can create passive income streams. So that way, um, I can, I can just generate the cash flow that I need to, to have the type of life I wanted. So that's one thing that I've done this past year that I've been out is what type of life do I want and, and how much does that cost? Because whatever I made, before I just got it and hey, I got this money. I, I, I saved some, so I probably saved more than a lot. So then I have all this other money that I'm just going to spend on stupid, stupid, stupid stuff just because I had it. And, uh, you know, I didn't even know if that's the stuff I wanted to do in life. <laughs> but when I kind of just said, Hey, I can't spend anything right now. I got out of my job. I got to make this stuff last. You know, what do I want to do every day? What are the experiences I want? Who are the people I want to be around? And, um, you know, how much do I want to travel each year? So to, to, to do what I'm doing exactly right now and to, to travel two to three times a year, even, even with one global travel, uh, on the personal side, I mean, I only have to make a quarter of what I used to make. And so, um, yeah, obviously the, the bar for the passive income streams right now is just to get past that line. But how easy was it and how scalable and how successful they'd be able kind of be the next question about the, the success of those ventures. Yeah, very true. Um, you know, I do, I do a, a bit of that here just through the podcasting, you know, we, I'm, I make enough to pay for this podcast and then, you know, a little bit of it is incremental supplemental income, which is helpful. And, um, and it's definitely, I find it extremely, uh, just valuable personally, uh, to see that, you know, my own work, like it's not, it's not to devalue the work that I do for corporate America whatsoever. Right. But like, there's something almost more grassroots sort of, uh, there, there's something really fun about that. And I think that's what comes with like that entrepreneurial gene. Uh, do you, do you have other members of your family that are entrepreneurs? Like, was there anybody that was really kind of an inspiration for you? Yeah, my uh, my dad, he jumped out right around the same age that I was. Uh, he was in the banking industry. He was a vice president as well and jumped out to start his own thing, actually uh, creating software. And then my sister, she has a, uh, a baby line of clothing geared to um, like the, uh, the, the horror movie uh, industry. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I'd have to ask you a little bit about that uh, because I, I love that sort of stuff anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, spookybaby.com. Spookybaby.com? Yeah. All right. Yeah, you heard it here, folks. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Chris, you've given so much wisdom on this show. I think there's there's so much to take away from sort of the j- just the example that you've set, kind of reprioritizing your life, identifying this uh, this issue that, that you've had in, uh, you know, certainly, you know, your work-life balance, some of the uh, prioritization with uh, alcohol, uh, and, and then really coming out on the other side, really looking inward to understand uh, what you can do better to improve your, your family. Now, I want to, I always end the show with some words of wisdom. Uh, what would you say to somebody who's perhaps in your shoes several months ago? What would you tell somebody, uh, a dad, for instance? 
Yeah, what what I always uh, suggest, you know, is I don't I don't want to tell anyone how to live their life. I always ask them to be the the judge and jury, and so say when you look in the mirror, do you, do you say I love myself, and are you happy with the direction of your life? If you have yes to both those questions, then you know keep on rocking. If you uh, if you say no, then I would always say what are you what are you doing about it, and then you know whatever you would say is that thing, you know, you might have a kid coming, uh, uh, along the way, you know, um, then I'm just, at least I can say, well, I had one that, that did come. And then one week later I quit, like you just have to take that next step. And what kind of, uh, the biggest lesson learned though on the entrepreneurial side is you're a smart guy, Alex, because you could be doing this stuff right now. You could be understanding how to create, you know, uh, a digital value, and uh, uh, followers and a brand and SEO and social media. You can do all that with a blog, with a podcast, with all of that stuff. And that's one thing that I, I feel I missed out on is I should have been should have been doing that stuff since like college and just doing it as a hobby. And that way, when I jumped out, either I had some things already going mm-hmm. um, or, you know, I just had all these skills that I could just go ninja right into. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and to tag onto that, it's like, you've really got to want it, right? Like you don't just kind of create a podcast or a blog or whatever, because everybody's doing it. So I should do it. Like, like if you really want to kind of take the thing seriously, put some effort behind it and some thought, right? Like, um, that, that's something that I learned a lot about doing podcasting is that I would rather really put out something of value to the listener. If they're going to spend 30 minutes to 45 minutes listening to this show, for instance, there's got to be something really valuable that somebody can take away from it. And and I think that you've, you've done that here, Chris. So, so kudos. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's thanks. really great. Yeah. I, um, I, I always say just, just get out there and do it. Um, yep. you know, it's, it, even if it sucks, cause all, everything yes. will suck at first. I mean, whatever you start doing day one, you'll be way better at it two years from now. So don't, don't be scared about sucking. That's one thing with doing my, the, the Chris Howe blog. I, I thought, oh man, it's so vulnerable talking on video and writing about this stuff. Uh, but it's cool to see like the traffic that I got and still on the, the, my anniversary, um, gift post, I still see that jump up about 50 a day. And it's like cool to see like maybe that's inspiring people to, not just go there and log on and think that they should have done something t- 10, 20 years ago that they could, they can do it now. They just have to take that first step. And once you start making the, the problem, you know, what's the next step? What's the next step? You're going to make progress until, if, unless you're just sitting there thinking, well, how do I do it? You're never going to figure out how to do oh, it. Yeah. You just got to start doing it, bump your head, pick yourself up and keep going forward. Yeah, dude. Go back and listen to the first few episodes of my first pos- podcast ever. And uh, the microphone wasn't even plugged in. I was using the onboard <laughs> mic on my laptop, bro. It's like, yeah, you got to just do it. And it was still entertaining. And, and you know, that's the value it brought, right? Like, don't overthink the value either. Um, it just, you know, I, I would say just like, yeah, just get started, dude. I'm, I'm, I do believe in that. Um, now, I, you mentioned your blog. Uh, why don't we give you an opportunity to share how people can reach out to you, can see all of the content that you're putting out now? Yeah, yeah, chrisalblog.com. That's uh, my blog where I post blogs, blog, uh, blogs, and uh, uh, links to my podcast. Uh, also, uh, at Chris Howe Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Uh, I put uh, different uh, material out there, podcast for 
starting up one for jujitsu, put our, our videos and stuff out there. And then uh, of course announce when uh, things open back up in Indy, when I'll be doing uh, live comedy again. Wonderful. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, our guest has been Chris Howe. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Big thanks to Chris Howe. And thank you so much for being so vulnerable on today's show. I think his story is really inspiring. I hope you all learned something from it today. It's never too late to kind of turn things around and set your life on the direction that you really wanted to go on. So make sure that you follow Chris's work. I'll have a link to his stuff in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's show, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. And if you really want to support the show, head over to thedadchronicle.com. There's a link to become a patron. Even $1 a month helps for the production cost of this show. Um, Big thanks to all of our patrons for everything that you do to support the show. And make sure that you are subscribed to your favorite podcatcher so that you don't miss a single episode. All the links are there over at thedadchronicle.com. If you'd like to chime in on today's episode, provide some thoughts, some discussion, you can email thedadchroniclepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.